0: We got in Sportsmanlike Conduct. We talk about the rivalry that went down in East Lansing with a little bit of drama. Michigan takes down Michigan State, gets the win. Then we'll head over to the basketball side of things in the NBA where the Detroit Pistons are playing some pretty good basketball to start the year. I think that's a little bit surprising to some people. We'll talk about that. And then we'll also talk about the World Series, which is about to wrap up here because it looks like the Red Sox are not going to lose anytime soon as they're up 2-0 in the Dodgers. All that and more on Sportsmanlike Conduct next. There is nothing you said that could make me real. Hello, everybody, again, and welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andrew McDonald, and across from me on this wonderful Thursday evening is Evan Petzold. Evan, how are we doing? I'm doing well,
1: Andy. You know, when you were growing up, I just just have a question. I mean, did you have like a a good core group of buddies? You know, when you were when you were growing up. Yeah, I mean, you had your boys, right?
0: I, people, people are Crazy, I think I'm crazy. I have a 16 person group chat that I'm in every day. I'm, but I'm, Still ta- ta- I'm talking people. like I'm talking like middle school, like yeah, friends, same people, <laughs> same people.
1: Yep. <laughs> were you ever like friends with the older kids at, at some point, like with our older, older kids. kids that you know you always were competing with in sports or or whatever it might have been? Oh boy, yeah. I mean, sure. there there were, there were those guys, right? Yeah. They came and they kicked your ass, and but you wanted to beat them, right? And yeah, that's just sure. situation. That's how it would go. That's kind of how I'm feeling about this Boston LA series right now. Yeah. Is Boston is that? That older older figure in your life—they're the older kids, and they're and they're coming in and and they're just kind of kicking your butt right now.
0: Yeah, they're the, they're the ones that have been there, done it before, and yeah, and well, are, you know, know, LA are still was doing there it. last year, but yeah.
1: But I, I just feel like Boston has this like upper hand that's that's so weird and so unheard of in the World Series. It's almost like it's just pure dominance. This right?
0: season from Boston, hands down, could easily if they just sweep this World Series, could go down as probably. And you're talking about the Boston Red Sox franchise. It could go down as the best season ever in the history of their, their franchise. And that's my Caught point. That I just feel like it's
1: at this stage where Boston, L.A., dude, those are like perfect cities for baseball. That, oh, is, yeah. that is the peak of all peaks. Really. Dude, I mean, the past- you, besides, besides New York, that is it right there. And that's my point about the analogy, though, with you know the older kids in school beating up on you and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's how it feels. Like Boston just had this upper hand all season long over everybody in the American League. And now they're just kicking butt. And that's all that it is. And there's never going to be, that, that that turn doesn't happen, right? Like you were never able to beat those older kids, you know, until you started to grow up a little bit. And that's yep. that's how it is. LA is just not there this year. It, it's Boston all the way. And, and it is just becoming hysterical. How good of a ball club they are in the damage that they've been able to do
0: no everything that has happened in the past few years for baseball it just it couldn't be any better I mean you're we talking about the Cubs that go and get the World Series a couple of years ago last year an Astros team that hasn't done it before they they go well it, it's been a while they go and get a bunch of firepower, a bunch of guys a swagger they do that kind of thing now this Boston team is full of that same kind of mentality with guys like Mookie Betts and stuff that are just you know images that you see all over the place and they're this good and are this dominant baseball really has been branding itself very well the past couple years of who's made the title and everything and it shows from their numbers when you look at who's been watching it and how it's been going up so it's it's definitely a good thing for for baseball to keep going with this we'll get into that a little bit more towards the end of our podcast but we got to start off with what went down here in the state because here you go jimmy I, i i told you i told you last week on the podcast i said that if they can get this win if they can come out here and beat michigan state in the road and actually get that win against a ranked opponent I'll give you the credit and say that they're a team that is ready to be there, and they are. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it in my mind that right now. They're clearly the favorite in the Big Ten now with what happened to Ohio State the other night against Purdue. I mean, Michigan's there. They're ready to go. Um, but it's not to me that they just got this win. It's how they got this way. They obliterated Michigan State. They they owned them. They had literally less yards of offense than they had in penalty yards in this game. That is how dominant Michigan was. But it wasn't even that. It's the off the field stuff. Michigan was quiet all week, and then they come into this game. And obviously, you know, with what happened to Michigan State, ends up getting fined the ten thousand dollars for walking through, and you know, Devin Bush and Jim Harbaugh both reprimanded. Whatever. I mean, nevertheless, it's a rivalry type thing before the game that happened with Michigan State locking arms, walking down the middle of the field. And Devin Bush and LeVert Hill were both warming up in the middle of the field and LeVert Hill's headphones got ripped off as Michigan State walked through the line, kind of just went right through him. There was some obviously some words exchanged that probably weren't very nice from Devin Bush. He was yelling back at him. And when you look back at it, you know, I liked it. I liked how Devin Bush reacted if you're a Michigan if you're a Michigan guy. He goes out and rips up the middle of Michigan State's field. And then they don't just come out and let it, you know, distract him or anything. He doesn't go into the locker room and tell everybody about it. They just come out and they beat the living tar to Michigan State on defense. They did not let them have a chance, and it, it, it showed. And then after the game, you know, when Jim Harbaugh, not apologizing this time. There wasn't there wasn't an apology like there was a few years ago for Brady Hoke when they drove a stake in the field and they had a public apology the next week. There was none of that. Jim Harbaugh called it Bush League. He said that's what it was. That's the Jim Harbaugh that Michigan fans, when they hired him four years ago, have been looking for until, until right now. I think until this game. This is the Jim Harbaugh that when Jim Schwartz was running off the field and they took a handshake, just backslapped him and ran by him and got Jim Schwartz mad. This is the guy that went ran up the score on Pete Carroll, and Pete Carroll was not happy with him after the game and let him know about it. This is the kind of guy that you saw from those days that you hired that has that kind of fire, and not only did he do it, his team responded and followed it. They played with aggression. They played like they didn't care. They said after the game, we just took care of our business and we got that win like we were supposed to. Saying they're supposed to—that's what Michigan football is supposed to do. They're supposed to be able to beat teams like Michigan State on the road. This was it. If you ask me,
1: I feel like in one sense, nobody likes a jerk, right? No, like, you don't. You don't like. You don't want to be friends with a jerk, but when that jerk is on your side and, and overall a good person, it's not bad to have him, you know, right? And that's kind of how yeah. Jim Harbaugh is. I think I don't think he's he's a jerk, but I mean, you look at any winning college football coach, they have an edge. They have an edge. They have an aspect of them that's different than the rest. Everyone They're hates not, someone that wins. <laughs> that's how it usually works. Well, yeah. And the, and the thing is, though, look at a guy like you know a guy like Brady Hoke, or even go to the NFL and look at Jim Caldwell from the Lions. You know, just from a year ago, so nice, so gentle, apologizing, soft-spoken. But we, you know, and even look at the Big Ten conference alone. You look at, at Penn State's coach, Ohio State, Michigan State, and, and now Jim Harbaugh, too. Mm-hmm. People like to rally around someone that's bold and makes a stand and makes a statement and that isn't afraid to speak their mind. And that's the kind of person that people want to be around. And that that's how you win football games, in in my opinion. Him yeah. calling that Bush League is a statement Yeah, to everybody in college. He is a real college football coach, and he is not messing around. No, that,
0: it's true. That's, that's what it is. All he cares about is getting wins, and as much as you, know, you you want to talk about him, it's what his players did to respond to it as well, and, and a guy that just let his actions play out is Shea Patterson. I mean, seriously, like this guy comes out, if they get a fumble, and you're going, here you go again, because the game was tied at 7-7 seven to seven after a fumble by Chris Evans. He comes out and finds Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, it was a couple of possessions later, but finds him for a huge pass, pass downfield and makes a huge. could better. Right, right there. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones, route running, getting better. You're just seeing everything come together and them actually have the confidence to be able to do it. And that's what's so much different about this Michigan team than even a couple of years ago when they were in 2016. Don't get me wrong. That team was full of talent. That's still one of the better teams Jim Harbaugh's ever done or had. They should have probably went further than they did. But by the end of the year, they lost to a team like Iowa on the road. Everything just fell apart after that you know Michigan had a close game with Northwestern on the road which I would compare to that Iowa game and they came back from 17 down in the first half and didn't just roll over they got the win they passed the test of beating a good team at home they go on the road they beat a ranked team they're doing all these things to back up the words and that and that's what is finally you know just Coming out, no matter how you want to look at it, if you're not looking at Michigan as a legitimate playoff contender at this point, you're just you're being, a you're you're being, you're being a fool. You're being a fool because they are that good. They're a team that can be there and play in this playoff. They're beating teams to show that. They got a bye week this week. They're going to come out against Penn State, who is another good team They got to beat and still Ohio State. I don't care if Ohio State lost to Purdue. To me, they're still going to be a team that will rebound off that loss, and they will grow a lot by the end of the season when it comes to that meeting for Michigan. That will by no means be an easy game. They're doing this without Rashawn Gary. Yes, that And too. they're doing this without Tariq Black, and guess what? Both of them
1: are going to be back r- real quick. Rashawn yeah. Gary expected to be back around the time of the Ohio State game. That yep. would be a great game to come back in. For sure. Tariq Black... People are saying that he's ready now. Like he, he is going to be ready to play. He's been out there going through warm-ups and stuff for
0: games, so it's it's. He's ready. Be, he's got to be close. Yeah,
1: I say Penn State. He'll be back. That that's my prediction. Uh, I don't like to predict injuries normally, but this one yeah, just but seems after so sure. Too it kind of makes yeah.
0: sense. I mean, he's been out there already practicing and stuff. How how much longer could it possibly be? I mean, the prediction was originally that he should be back around the Michigan State game. So saying after a bye week to go to Penn State, I don't think that's out of the element so, at all.
1: Rashawn Gary, back by Ohio State, you are going to be. For really the first time, you're going to see Michigan fully loaded this season, and, mm-hmm. and by that I mean offensively, defensively, 100% sound. They're they're a threat, man. They are yeah. dangerous. And I think you got you got to watch out for them. You no, really that
0: that good of a team, and the the most beautiful thing about it for the people in Ann Arbor is that these guys are coming back I mean a lot of these guys aren't even leaving especially with some of the guys that have come in and played where Sean Gary's been gone like Payne and just the inside game they've been able to have on defense on the offense you look at it there's not a lot of guys that are going to go to the NFL this year for this year this is finally like you're starting to see it kind of really build up and what could be very good for Michigan for the next few years on the other side of things for Michigan State this was downright ugly, and this isn't what you're used to talking about after this game. It's not been that way, you know. Even a few years ago, they were just three and nine, bad year. This is a year where Michigan State returned everybody. Man, they returned everybody on their team. Basically, they gave them their production, and they just aren't doing good at it. I mean, Brian Lewerke. Okay, there was the thing coming out about how he was, you know, injured coming into the week and stuff like that. You know, they, the Antonio said he talked to his family and they they talked together and said it was good to go. I don't you know, five of twenty five man for sixty six yards. That's just that's pathetic. (laughs) So when you look at that and how bad they were acceptable. LJ Scott, I mean he had like one big run to start the game and then he just goes for ten carries for twenty five yards, comes back in this game. Huge rivalry game. You'd think he played better and more inspired. Did not play that well. Their offense was a train wreck. I mean, seriously, they they couldn't do anything against Michigan. The numbers are terrible. It's almost like if you were putting up a max school against Michigan. That's what that's what it looked like from their offense. Now, granted, there was bad weather and everything else, but and they lost Felton Davis the third. Yeah, they did. They did. They lose it, that tour tore ACL. Feel bad for that guy because seriously, you know, he was he was looking to maybe be able to do a lot of big things for them, especially moving forward in the future. Not that he won't be back, but I mean, it, it kind of slows you down in your progression. So definitely feel bad for that guy. But nevertheless. It was dominant. I don't think it matters if Felton Davis was in that game or not. Michigan was not going to stop. The, the fact of the matter was they were attacking workie play after play, and I don't, I don't think his arm was healthy enough to be able to take that kind of pressure and keep passing because his passes, man, were just inaccurate that entire game if you watch it. Not even close to his receivers. So... Where the heck does Michigan State go from here?
1: Oh, where does Michigan State go? I. It's, that's a great question.
0: What do you, I mean? What do you look at? Are you, I mean, you're you're not making the playoff. You're not making a big bowl game. You have three losses. What are you looking for the rest of this year?
1: I mean, assuming they don't win out, which I don't. I don't think they will. I mean, if you win out and you only have three losses, they're going to make a pretty good bowl game. You will. That that's just the truth. But realistically, it, it's not happening. Yeah. You you can get three wins and go to a great bowl game. You got Purdue left. You got Ohio State. Granted, you're probably going to beat Maryland, and, and you sure as hell better beat Nebraska and Rutgers. <laughs> but nonetheless, Purdue and Ohio State, I think maybe they split that, and they end up with four losses, which isn't really too bad. I think push comes to shove, though, you got to beat Purdue, and I think that game, in my opinion, matters more than the game against Ohio State.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think it
1: does though, because Purdue is at this level where, you know, you have to beat them. They're a yeah, team that absolutely. is not. They're not a at good. Home. They're not a good. Football team, yes, they're 3-1 and one in the conference. I understand that. But <laughs> they're Purdue, man. They're Purdue. I think it's almost more important than winning against Ohio State because against the Buckeyes, you're expected to lose. Yeah. You're not supposed to win. Well, it's the same way against Penn State. And- Purdue has the upset alert that they can they can toss on. You want to avoid that in any way possible because now you're going to be the really laughing be stock. Would it be an upset, though, at this point? I don't think it'd be an upset, but I think... You know, as far as Vegas and lines and yeah, everything money else betting goes, goes. But, man, I, I mean, but, I don't think
0: it's an upset. They just beat Ohio State, and Michigan State has clearly been on the downfall. But it's still their last three. an
1: embarrassing loss and if you lose to Ohio State because losing to Urban Meyer and the Buckeyes is expected. Oh, well, absolutely,
0: you're going to lose that game. I get your point. I'm not saying that. I just don't think that they're really even that much of the team is supposed to win anymore in this Purdue game. I mean, with what they just did and where they're at in conference, I mean, they look like the better team on paper almost right now just from a record standpoint and stuff like that, not necessarily who they played. So... I mean, too, man. Michigan State in the it's, conference—it's it's it's, crazy. It's not I mean, good. this is hands-on the team I picked to win the Big Ten this year. I thought that they were going to be that good with everything coming back, and it just hasn't turned out that way. So, is Brian Lewerke your guy? Yeah, at quarterback. I mean, Mark. Dan- well, okay. In my opinion, yes, I would still say so. I don't think you go away from him. I I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they had no running game in that game, and they lost a guy like Felton Davis. It's it's a lot of receivers that people, that, you know. You need to have those kind of guys to be able to do that good in a game, especially when it's raining and it looks that bad out. And I think he was also kind of hurt during that game. Obviously, if they were talking about it all week and he barely played, he didn't practice all week. I mean, One come more on. bad game and you got to toss to Rocky, though. I mean, yeah, you maybe maybe, maybe, maybe give him a chance to play. But Mark Tantino said he's our guy going forward. I, he said he's done a lot of great things for us here. I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, that's I think. what John Bonamigo said about uh, Tony <laughs> Poljan once, too. I'm just telling you, that's what he said. He's probably going to be the guy, and I think he's going to at least stay in there and keep playing, so... So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Michigan State ends up, but nevertheless, moving on to the Pistons now because this is a, a team that's also playing the state right now, playing well like the Wolverines. Except you know, it's just it's just a different year, Um and the fact that they're three and zero right now, I think, I mean, it's, it's surprising, right? I mean, we didn't we didn't expect them to come out this well and, and score a hundred points every game. I mean, one hundred and three in the first game, they score one hundred and eighteen in the second game. Yeah, the last one went to overtime, but 133 points. It's different. Where is this Pistons team coming from, man? Because this is not the—I mean, you left last year, okay? The end of the year, you were thinking to yourself, if you're a realistic Pistons fan, you're thinking to yourself, was Blake Griffin even the right move? Was this even what we needed to bring in? Is this all a big mistake? Like, this guy's injury-prone. Is he really that good of a star? Is he really going to be the guy that's capable of bringing us— you know a championship, and he said he wanted to be a leader right away when he came there last year. But things obviously were in a bad place, you know, with, with uh, you know their, their their coach and everything else going on. Now they get a guy like Dwayne Casey coming in here, and it's a completely different attitude almost. It seems like around this team. And the other night, he drops fifty points, pump the brakes, and breaks. pretty much hands down gets in the win. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Chill.
1: You remember what the Pistons record was last year when we were talking about them like they were all that in a nice old bag of Lay's chips, you know, the the potato flavor, the ones that give you that perfect amount of salt. Sure. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Ten and three. They were ten and three last year. Okay. Yeah, the start of the season's always it is a little different. Too soon to tell. It, I, I will, <laughs> it is it is way too soon to tell. You beat the Nets by three and the Bulls by two. And you're telling me those are those aren't even quality wins. Those aren't even quality those aren't quality opponents. That's not a quality no, win. There's right. no reason you should be letting Brooklyn score over 100 and <laughs> the Bulls score over 110. They're that definitely is not. that is no. That no. Not at all. No, don't even go there. This is all I'm trying to say is that that is Inexcusable, and I think that there is way too much hype over these Pistons. Granted, win against 76ers that was a win that I don't think they ever win last year. I
0: don't think they take that game to OT and win it the way that they did. Heck no, not, not a the chance. attitude either. Not, not with Andre Drummond getting suspended and or not, you know, getting kicked out of the game, all that stuff that and the, the, getting the you know, the social media feedback from Embiid and everything else that's not the kind of stuff that they were even involved in last year. So it's good to see that. Yes, it's obviously too early to tell, it's three games into an NBA. Season, you really don't know if this team's gonna be that good yet. But I did not expect him to come out and be 3 and you know, 0, to be completely honest with you, with the way Ed last year ended. I didn't think they'd even be close to that because I didn't think this team was that good. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, don't know, yeah, man. Yeah, no, I that, think...
1: that's understandable. But my, my point is, two of their three wins are no doubter wins. Yeah, you have one win that is a really but good was win. No
0: doubter win a year ago, or are they lose in that game. No, I, I think that's a no-doubter win. They still were losing games to the Bulls and the Nets and whoever the hell they played to end last season. I can tell you that much because they were not a good team to end of the year. Beat the Bulls in the last game of the season. Okay, but, but let, let's, let's, let's look over the the whole thing. See how many... I mean, they definitely lost the Bulls in the past couple of months or the last couple of months they played. All, all I'm trying to say is... They they were a team that was losing a lot of games to end last year, and look at they had no confidence. And then they come out and they're able to win close games. They might be against crappy opponents, but the fact of the matter is that they're actually closing out these games the win. That's that's okay, something yeah, that, yeah, okay, that's okay. something that I did not see last year. I that's mean, respectable. Period. And and they have guys that are you know playing good. When you're getting it from your superstar and you're getting fifty points out of them, I mean that's that's huge to me that he's able to take over a game and win it for them against a team that has borderline superstars in it and. You know, or superstars to come for the Seventy Sixers. I mean, it's a pretty good overall effort, I think.
1: No, I I agree. I'll, I'll give you that much, and and that that is true. Closing games has been probably their biggest struggle. You know, ever since the Pistons were good back when they had Tayshaun Prince and Rip Hamilton and Chauncey, those were the guys that could close games. They could win it for you in the final three, and you knew that final three minutes of the game they had your back, and you weren't going to lose. But since then, it, it has been more of a struggle, and, and I, I think that is true, and it is nice to see that out of them. I think the 76 are a team that, by the end of the season, I think they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, unless something happens where they get knocked out by the Celtics you know, in an earlier round, but, but you get my point. Yeah, I think they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're a good team. They mm-hmm. have guys that can play basketball, and, and also, you have to look at, at Blake Griffin as well. He has totally... One hundred percent changed his game. Yeah, his game has gone from a guy that could post up, catch and shoot a little bit, has a, has a decent <laughs> mid range game. Now he's able to bring the ball up the floor, pull up for three, knock it down, and it's swift and it's clean. Not it's perfect.
0: Some nights it might be working better than others. You might be feeling it more,
1: but it just looks more pure. Yeah, he has to exactly. Off nights, but. It looks like it's changed. I don't and you read the Athletic and I'm going to plug James L. <laughs> Edwards III who writes for the Pistons on them. He wrote a story about Blake Griffin and his scientific offseason. Don't want to go too deep in it cuz got to plug the guy. You know, if you want to go read it, go to the Athletic, get a subscription, check it
0: out, but pay for that stuff cuz it's worth it's it. It's worth
1: it. It is so worth it. And it's interesting just how he was able to change his game and how he was able to to really mold himself into a Really, like a like a five-tool player in baseball. Yeah, he can do it all now. He can drive. He can shoot. He can pass. He can penetrate and kick. He can lead a team as well. He's got it all, man. He really-, really does, and it's it's different than last year. I'll I'll tell you that much. Yes. The 3-0 record, it might be too soon, but I will tell you one thing that I know for certain, and that's that Blake Griffin is a totally different player than last year in a much better way.
0: And that's what they need, and that's their goal, is to have this guy pretty much lead their team and everybody else gravitate around it. And I mean, they don't want to take away too much from Andre Drummond, but he's not the guy that's going to win you games. I mean, it just didn't work out. He was the only player here, as you know. He can't. He can't do it. He's not a superstar. He's a good player. He's good at what he does, but it's not even today's NBA. You got to have someone more than that, and Blake Griffin's that kind of guy, and if he can actually be that guy and win that many games for him, you hope he can get him the playoffs. Because this team right now looks like a team that undoubtedly should at least make the playoffs. We've said that since before the year started, based off of the trades and everything else that happened. They're kind of alone in that spot, so we'll see what happens with them. Real quick though, that Embiid flopping rule. What did you What did you think about that? I think it just it was a joke. <laughs> I think him flopping like that was an absolute joke. I think that's that's just weak. I think that's a sign of weakness. For sure and, and to be able to, you know, come out and like, you know, keep talking crap about it and have him and Andre go back and forth. I love that kind of stuff. It makes me circle the calendar just wait for the next game to be able to come out between these two teams. So With
1: the, with the Pistons though, we are going to find out about them, you know, real fast. Their upcoming games, they have Boston on Saturday, Boston again on Tuesday. So that's a home and home uh situation. Brooklyn on the road, 76ers on the road. They have Miami then coming up. That's going to be at, at Little Caesars in
0: Detroit. Yeah, how can I- you handle a game against the Seventy Sixers on the road after all this drama?
1: Well, let's see. That's that's what I'm interested for. And how are you going to handle back to back against Boston? Boston. let
0: we, see. We, we, we talked about that before the year even started. That those two games against Boston are going to be big. So yeah, it'll be. They still got to put their their money where their mouth is and see if oh, they can yeah. actually be that good against some of the better teams. So we'll, we'll see. see what happens. But nevertheless, they uh you know we're recording this right now they're losing by two to the Cavs in the second quarter. So another team they should probably beat, but we'll see. Anyway, moving on to the thing that's getting pretty close to being done here is the Fall Classic, the World Series between the Boston Red Sox and Dodgers. And well, the other night, Red Sox, you know, a couple nights ago, they pull away at the late home run, get a get a big four run lead, and carry it out to a win. Last night's a little bit closer of a game. They end up winning uh, the game four to two um, over the Dodgers. You know, it's it's really starting to look like it's completely Boston's here. Um, you know, this one didn't really involve too many runs. You know, but. One inning is all it took. They score they were losing the game uh, you know, by two, and then they come back and they score three runs in the fifth inning and they're able to get the win. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that you know you you didn't see in the I think the really big thing right now for Boston is David Price is pitching well in the playoffs. I mean, when has this guy ever been a guy that can pitch well in this kind of a spotlight? He goes six innings last night, and only gets two and runs, five Ks. That's the kind of stuff you want to see out of out of him. I mean, you're paying him this kind of money to win these kind of games. He's been able to come out and do that. He couldn't do it in Detroit. He couldn't do it anywhere. He was before that. Of course, he didn't get a lot of chances at the Rays, but he's never been a guy that's pitched well in the playoffs. He's always choked under the big spotlight. In this postseason, he's been pretty good, so that's huge for them, but they just look like they're the overall team right now.
1: Here's the thing, too, with David Price. I mean, a 4-4-2 ERA so far in the postseason as a total, but the most interesting thing about him is I think he's really just figured out how to get the job done. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between pitching well and getting the job done. A player can pitch really well, and not get the job done. Yeah, he's still can lose. But David Price, yes, he'll give up a little bit here and there, but he gets the job done, and he always pulls through. And I think that's not the best thing about him.
0: Yeah, and everything does in in the postseason. It's so hard, you know. You're 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 playing against the best other team in the other league. So yeah. I mean, you're gonna give up runs. It's one really of the two hits. best teams going against. I mean, each yeah, other. this what it hands is hands down I mean, what you, what you you wanted if you if you're just a baseball fan. I mean, it was these two teams going at it, but really, I mean, it, it's just been Boston's year since. May, if you ask me, I mean, you knew it, man. They came, they came back from last year. They were winning the way that they were. I mean, seriously, 108 wins—that's just unheard of, dude. And when, it, and when it comes down to these two teams being so dominant, the Dodgers have 92. It's like there's just a few teams in baseball this year that were really, really dominant. But Boston still is just over all of them, and it, and it, it's crazy to watch for me because when they can go to Houston and make it to the next series, you know, we talked about how that was probably going to be, you know, arguably the best ALCS we've seen in forever. And they go there and they win, lose the first game, which is the most interesting part. You lose the first game in your home stadium. You might start to second guess yourself a little bit. They come back at the second win, but then they go to Houston and they win three straight games. Dude, I mean, I'm, I, that to me is unheard of with where Houston was at and what kind of a team they are. I mean, okay, sure, there was the one questionable game in game three, at the, the home run. El Tuve could have hit the home run, hitting the glove, the fan interference, that could have changed the game, sure. But nevertheless, they were the team. They got the job done. Got the win. They got guys like Jackie Bradley Jr. stepping up and making big hits. Andrew Benintendi's been all over it with his hits early in games and being able to and get get him ahead early. They just are unstoppable to me. I mean, does L.A. have any chance to come back and win this series? Honestly, I don't think so. A lot of
1: sports, too, is and we talk about it with all different types of sports, but momentum. Momentum is huge. And, and you take a game where you got a guy like Rick Porcello going against Walker Buehler. And and that game's gonna be um you know on October twenty sixth. Rick Porcello knows what knows what it's like. He's been in the big moments. Walker Blues, he's a younger guy. He's a younger guy that doesn't have as much experience. I, I totally think that this is a situation where Red Sox come out of the gates and, and they get it done again and, and go up 3-0 and then from there it, it's just history. Mm-hmm. And that's how that's how it is. And I, I don't think there's really a chance for LA to climb back. You know, being down two zero like they are, I know they have home games coming up, and and that's important. But there's something about this Boston that's just special, and it's almost something that you can't even you can't even
0: figure out the words to describe it. But it's just special. There's magic in this team. It, it, that's how it feels. It feels like the team that you know should have just been there and done it. They're the team that's the best this year. And when a team actually is able to accomplish that, in a in a place like baseball where there's been plenty of upsets and teams that aren't supposed to win, going all the way and winning it lately. It's pretty cool to see a team just be this dominant and be able to go this far and win it. So, yeah, I'd have to go with Boston, too. I don't think LA has much of a chance to come back. They're not really, you know, showing it. And, you know, Yasiel Puig was a guy that said, like, guarantee we're going to make it there and get back. They had this attitude coming in, and Boston's pretty much just take it and just just punched them right in the – I mean, just, just shut them up. Slap, slap across the face, a backhand, whatever you want to call it.
1: Older kids, man, pummeling them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yep. You, you You said it earlier, and that's exactly what it's been like. They're just showing that we are the best team, and you guys can't beat us even if – you thought you had a shot yep. <laughs> pretty much is where it's at. But one, the podcast now with our usual stud and dud, get back to that after our little rivalry conversation last week. Evan, who's your stud? Yeah, my stud is uh, is Randall Moore, the freshman from
1: Purdue at wide receiver. Not going to spoil, you know, what you have coming. We'll, we'll get there in a minute. Uh, so I'm not going to go in too in detail. Cause I'm sure you can add uh, a little bit of talking points. But, I mean, the the, the guy had a, had a really good game. 170 yards receiving on 12 receptions, two touchdowns, also had two carries on jet sweeps for 24 yards. Easily his best game of of his college career, and it was in a big win, and I'll let you finish
0: that Huge later. spotlight for sure. I'll let you
1: finish that later.
0: Yeah, my start this week, I'm just going to reiterate the point because it needs to be said. Jim Harbaugh, you finally did it. You finally got the win on the road. You're finally getting that monkey off your back and you're finally getting people to stop hating on you. And there's still more work to be done. He still has to make it and make an effort for this playoff, gets that last game against Ohio State, and really make it that, you know, that feeling again and cap it off with getting to the Big Ten Championship game and maybe the playoff after that. But nevertheless, I mean this is this is what you wanted to see. He's finally doing it and he's doing it in his way. Jim Harbaugh, definitely my stud this week, so
1: we're going to write back to you, actually, because I just talked about the Purdue thing, so i got to send it to
0: you for your dud, and, and then dud? I'll wrap you it up know, with mine. The Ohio State Buckeyes. The complete opposite with Urban Meyer, because the only thing I saw all night was his hands getting thrown up in the air, because he didn't know what he was doing. And that's that's not acceptable. I mean, this team is... Too good. And I'll tell you, I kept you know, the ESPN commercial comes on every week when you're watching TV and you see that, you know, the night game of the week, right? Like the big one. And I think I think they might do it to where it's like in your area, but I don't know, because I feel like there's a better game. I mean, technically the um the Washington State and Oregon game. I don't know if you caught that, you know, on Saturday morning, but Washington State, that was hands down the coolest scene I have ever seen going into a college game day set in my life. Unbelievable. But nevertheless, Ohio State they lose this lose this game to Purdue, and I I kind of looked at that game and I saw it in the commercial this week, and I just thought that's a joke, right? Like that that's the game of the week, that's the best game you could find ESPN. It's like put on TV, and Purdue just showed up. I mean, yep. they showed up, and they were they were they didn't just win. I mean, they were the better team. They dropped over forty points on Ohio State, like. Unreal. I mean, I would have never guessed. I mean, I, I, I you know, I might, have, I might have had a few on Saturday night and, you know, I, I, of age. <laughs> and I was like, you know, did I drink too much? Like, did they actually lose this game? Because I was just hands down shocked, dude. Like, it, is, it was unbelievable. It, wasn't it was even, unbelievable. You know, it's just how do you actually lose that game? Crazy to me. But Evan, who's your dud?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to stick it here in, in Mount Pleasant a little bit. And I'm going to actually bring out the Central Michigan Chippewas for this one. Not, not. You no, know, I think I think this
0: might have happened a couple times in this podcast already this year.
1: I like to keep it at home, baby. <laughs> yeah, you know how
0: it is. They they've been bad. Done. I mean, they they've been bad. They have been
1: like historically bad. That's yeah. the point. You know, at, at first, I like to talk about CMU just to kind of give them a little bit of love here and there on on our podcast because why not? <laughs> but it's becoming historically bad to the point where. Oh. Where it, it's embarrassing. I mean, you're one and seven on the season. You have not won against an FBS team yet. Your only win is a seventeen to five win against Maine in in the FCS. And really, this could be the worst record since joining D one, which you know is is obviously one just awful and and, and embarrassing. So you automatically you know are, are on pace for your worst record since you know 1975. But also, you're on pace for the lowest winning percentage since 1904 under head coach Charles Tambling. I don't even know who Charles Tambling is. And in 1904, it's, yeah, you guys are laughing a little bit. That's, it's funny. that's the point. I mean, that's, that's the, the point. point. <laughs> and listen, listen, in 1904, CMU finished 0-1 because the team was discontinued due to budgetary constraints. And it's going to be the worst winning percentage since way back then when they if were 0-1. If they and lose 1. out,
0: If they lose, if the they lose out, it'll be the worst. Winning percentage since then. I'll give you my hot take right now and say that they beat Bowling Green at home. Well, I do think they yeah, get the Bowling win. Yeah, Bowling Green sucks too. They're one and seven, and well, they yeah, don't have a win in the MAC yet either. So they're it's bad, be... and so is CMU. But I just think being at home senior night, they're going to get the win, and they'll get past it. But nevertheless, the fact that it's even comparable, Charles Tambling to a team that got canceled. I mean, got canceled, dude. They went zero and one, and they got canceled. And and you're comparing that to that in a what twelve game season. And remember, back in back in the the early nineties. There wasn't like college teams everywhere that
1: they were playing because no one traveled that far, right? I mean, that 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 wasn't how it was. Exactly. Yeah.
0: You were playing high schools in the area, so that one loss was to a high school. I think Alma High School, maybe. Well, Alma is a college up here now, but um, it it could have been a high school at the time. Maybe there's somebody. You're talking 1904. You're not asking the right guy. I'm only 22 years old, so. (laughs) They they lost to a high school team though,
1: (laughs) and then they discontinued it, and then they got back
0: into it a year after, but still. Just pure embarrassment. Nevertheless, it's pathetic, and it's it's really hard to even keep up with football or anything around here right now because you just look at it, and I think the results showed in the stands on Saturday. Granted, yes, it's because of the rain a lot too, but there was nobody in the stands, and the CMU faithful really did not show up or care to show up. So nevertheless, what you're putting on the field, that's what happens. So it's definitely a dud. That'll do it this week for us on Sportsmanly Conduct. Thank you guys for listening. Um, you can follow us on at CM Life. You'll hear us there. My at is at Andy underscore McDonald twenty three. I'm was,
1: at Evan Petzold. Okay, name. A,
0: it's like he knew it was coming or I something know. like that. So, and then uh, yeah, so make sure you do that or listen on SoundCloud or iTunes. You can find it there as well. Thank you guys for listening.